Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Such a busy week uh, in the NFL with free agency, and boy, it is just fast and furious. Signings left and right uh, throughout this week, and to help us make sense of it all, we bring on Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter, MMQB.com. And Albert, great to have you on the show. How you been? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? Good, good. Everything's great. So uh, give us an idea. You know, we talk a lot of baseball here. Baseball free agency plays out over like three years for these guys now. Uh, they got to wait until spring training to finally sign. Football, free agency was over before it even began, it seemed, in a lot of ways, or technically began. How is it that things develop where guys are, are technically signing even before, you know, that 4 o'clock Wednesday when free agency technically begins? Well, it's because no one's following the rules. And, uh, you know, scouting combines a couple of weeks before the start of free agency. And generally, that's where the framework for a lot of deals, um, you know, starts to come into shape. And, I, you know, you really like a lot of these deals, by the time you get to the opening of the tampering period, are close to being done. And then it's just up to the player to pick a team. And so the rules are such where, you know, it's sort of necessitated rule breaking, you know, and that. Um, because football is a little different than the other sports and that there are more players out there, um, you know, they're more sort of replaceable. Um, you know, it really does turn into a big game of musical chairs. And, you know, being forced to make a decision within a 48-hour period, that's not very realistic. And so, you know, a lot of the groundwork for, for, for what we saw this week, um, you know, was put in place at the Combine in Indianapolis and even before that. You know, at that point, teams and agents had an idea of, of where the value of each player was. And then you get to this week, and now it's just about the player kind of picking where he wants to go. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's really the way it works. You know, is that, is that the you know the process of free agents picking where they want to want to go really starts at the end of the season, and then you know you get to the combine, and that's really when the numbers start to go back and forth when you start to hear real numbers. And, you know, you get to the week where free agency is happening and, and, and 80% of the process is already done. So, you know, one thing that following the Jets here, I thought, you know, it wasn't great that they couldn't get Kirk Cousins to, you know, even visit and, and take a real look at the yeah. Jets. But the way that this plays out, you know, it's all, you know, decided the numbers beforehand. I mean, if you're a player like Cousins, let's say you're a guy with options, can you even go and, and really visit and, and find that much out about these franchises if you want to to get it done? Or, or are they able to do that much behind the scenes, uh, you know, against the rules? Well, well, Cousins could have. You know, Cousins could have said um, to both these teams, you both got a realistic shot. And, you know, I want to visit both of you, and I really want to take a hard look at it, figure out where you're at. And, and, and you know, Cousins made an effort to do that. And the Jets weren't an answer. And I think it became, it kind of crystallized Monday, Tuesday, that it, it like the Vikings were the very clear leader. And, you know, because things moved so quickly, the other teams all want an answer. And, and you know, you saw how quickly the other three teams that were in this a few weeks ago were reacting. And, you know, these guys come off the market so quick that you have to, you know, go to your plan B. You have to pivot and go to plan B really, really quickly. And so you see the Broncos were already working on plan B before they were out of the Cousins sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. You know, they were ready to go with Case Keenum. You see what the Cardinals did in bringing in both Sam Bradford and Mike Glennon. And, you know, the Jets' plan B had been 
you know, let's see if we can get Josh McCown to come back and let's see if we can get Teddy Bridgewater to come in. Um, you know, the, the, the consolation for all three of those teams is that they still have flexibility going forward where if you, if you had Kirk Cousins on the roster, that's your guy going forward, you know, and, and now each of those teams, I think, is, you know, at least a candidate. It's not a, a you know, very strong probability to take a quarterback in the first round of the draft. And so, you know, the Cardinals and the Jets, uh, so I had a, a pretty strong desire to pursue Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, but for the for their for, for their own sake, you know, Cousins can't try to make it clear, you know, where they were the whole time. And uh, you know, I, I think they did those teams a favor, you know, by by letting them know this is where we're at here. This is where we're at this point. This point. This point. It allowed the other teams turn to, to turn to their plan Bs pretty quickly, and and we can see that you know, in, in those cases. Um, those teams were able to pull off what you know they planned on pulling off if they weren't going to if they weren't going to land Kurt. Yeah, and it all gets settled pretty quickly, as you mentioned, the Jets uh, line of McCown as well as Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Uh, then they went out, signed Tremaine Johnson. That's their their big acquisition at cornerback. Um, you know how how is he going to change the the Jets defense? Is he a you know Darrell Rivas shutdown type of corner? What what did the the Jets grab there from the Rams? Well, I don't think he's a Jarrell Rivas type player, um, and he's not as good as the player that will replace him in, in Los Angeles either. That, that's Marcus Peters, mm-hmm. but you know he's a, he's a big, long corner um, who can be a matchup guy for you and who can turn the ball over. And you know the the way that Tom Cole's defense is set up is, you know, he puts a pretty heavy burden on the defensive backs, and he he needs guys who can cover man to man. So he can be aggressive up front. Um, his history is one of the most blitz happy defensive coaches in the league, and you know you need strength in the secondary to do that. So um, they invest in Mo Claiborne, who they believe can turn the ball over, and who they believe can match up with bigger receivers. Add him to Mo Clay, or add him to, or add Tremaine Johnson to, 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 to Mo, and uh, you know it, I think they feel like they're in a better spot than they were a week ago, and you know, we'll see. You know, we'll see what else they do. I, I, I expect that they're still going to be in the market for, for Tyron Matthew. And, you know, they've already got a couple of really good young safeties in Jamal Adams and Marcus May. But you can see the, the, the investment in the secondary. And you've actually seen that since the start with Bowles and McCagden, how much, um, you know, how much, you know, stock they put in those positions back there. Uh, and this is another example of it. Just not a, you know, I mean, Terrain Johnson isn't going to be first team all pro. Uh, but he can be a playmaker for you, and he can allow you to be a little more aggressive up front. Yeah, certainly. We're talking again with Albert Breer, senior NFL uh, reporter, and MMQB.com. Uh, who do you think is the most improved team after uh, most of free agency has played out now? Yeah, you know, in the NFL, the, <laughs> the NFL, if you're really active in the first couple of days of free agency, um, there's a pretty good chance you're going to look back a couple of years later with regret. Mm-hmm. So this isn't always the best time to be buying. Um, but I really like what the Titans did. Um, they're the team that really sticks out to me as as, as one that, that went into this with a plan and came out of it with players that are going to help Mike Brable build a program. And, and going and getting Malcolm Butler and going and getting Deion Lewis, they're, they're putting two guys in the locker room who know what the expectations are going to be because Mike Brable is going to set the program up in a New England kind of way. And you know, they've got good background on those players because they know people in New England who have given them the truth on, on what they're getting. And so, you know, look, when you're spending, again, if you're spe- when you're spending on the first couple of days of free agency, you are almost by definition overpaying for players. 
Um, and so you want some certainty coming back, and you might want to get a little more than just um, what a guy brings on the playing field. Um, and I think that there's a feeling in Tennessee that they're going to get that with these two guys, and that um, these guys are going to help Mike Vrabel build the program and, and be guys who can sort of spread the message in, in, in what Vrabel's going to be looking for in the locker room. And they've got a really good idea of who they're going to be as players because, you know, they've got they've got great information on on what they've been over the last few years. And on the other side, the Patriots, they lose a couple of effective players there, and uh, Danny Amendola through free agency yep. as well. Nate Solder ends up with the New York Giants. They do sign Adrian Claiborne, good pass rusher from the Falcons, but I, I guess we play this game with New England just about every year. You know, What's that uh, exit that, that's going to be the one that costs them, but how, how built are they to you know, withstand some of the, the losses this offseason? Uh, it's hard to it's hard to kill them, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's you know like that. As long as Brady and Belichick are there, um, it's hard to say they won't be the favorites in the AFC. It's hard to say they won't get to the AFC Championship game. They've been there seven years in a row. Um, it's hard to say they won't be contending for a championship in January of 2019. Um, that said, I, I think the biggest loss is, is without question Nate Solder. I think they can absorb the loss of Deion Lewis. They've, you know, moved pieces in and out at running back over the years. They made a big ticket acquisition in, in Stephon Gilmore last year, and, and that'll help them deal with the blow of losing Malcolm Butler. Um, if Julian Edelman's healthy, I think they can deal with the loss of Danny Amendola. Mm-hmm. Nate Solomon's a tough one because, you know, if you want to go back over the 17 years um, that Brady's been the starter there, the second most stable position on the roster behind quarterbacks been left tackle. They've really had two left tackles over the entire period. And it's Matt White for 11 years and then Nate Solder for the last six. And that's not to say that Nate Solder is Anthony Munoz or you know, Jonathan Ogden out there, but he's really, you know, a, a solid piece that, you know, where they knew that position was taken care of. And I, I'm sure as people in New York know, um, <laughs> you know, if you have a left tackle, position taken care of it makes filling in at the other four positions a lot easier and so replacing him is a big problem you know i'm not saying that this is going to prevent them from reaching the level they've been at the last couple of years but um yeah, that's certainly the biggest loss and then beyond that of course i think the other important thing you need to do is find a way to calm down all the chaos that was going on in the building last year and find a way to level out the palachuk brady relationship because clearly right now that's not where it needs to be yeah, and uh, you know, for the Patriots, you don't want that offensive line looking like the Giants' offensive line last year. So they want to uh, get that taken care of. Um, yeah, and finally, the Seahawks. Boy, I mean, just huge changes there. Uh, how how quickly can they you know rebuild it with, with Russell Wilson? Uh, it, it's like one veteran after another is out of there. Yeah, and the plan I think has been for a few months now. We're going to rebuild around Russell Wilson on offense, Bobby Wagner on defense, and. So much was always going to hinge on five defensive players for them, and that's Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas who are going into contract years. Obviously, they're shopping Earl Thomas now. Richard Sherman was cut on the Niners. Um, Cam Chancellor and Cliff Averill, both those guys are coming off of neck injuries. And then Michael Bennett, who was a little bit of a pain in the ass last year, and he's been traded now. And so I think we looked at the fate of the Seahawks. If you wanted to look at the fate of the Seahawks a few weeks ago, you could say it's going to hinge on what they do with those five players. Um, and the fact that, you know, two of them are gone and the other three are clearly still in flux tells you that they're going into a retooling mode where for the next year or two, 
you're going to see a lot of turnover in the roster. And what makes it difficult for them is, you know, they're to some degree depleted at draft picks. They traded for Dwayne Brown in midseason last year, and that left them without a second-round pick. And so uh, they've got a lot of work to do, and they don't have a ton of capital to do it with. Um, you know, I, I think it's fair to put your faith in John Schneider and Pete Carroll based on what they've done over the course of the last, you know, eight years there in Seattle. But there are some big challenges ahead in, in finding a way to rebuild the roster, and they're not going to look the same at all next year. Yeah, big time. Uh, Albert Breer, check out his work, mmqb.com. And, uh, Albert, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on. All right, thank you. All right, talking some uh, football there with Albert Breer, getting you caught up uh, on some of the big storylines this week. Obviously, the, the quarterback shuffle uh, has been all over the place. The Jets, they end up with Teddy Bridgewater, Josh McCown, uh, the Bills signing A.J. McCarron. Uh, so they're going to give him an opportunity, but uh, playing coy as far as whether or not they'll try to jump ahead of the Jets for a top-five draft pick and land a young quarterback as well. And, and the way the draft sets up, and we'll get more into this uh, over the next week or two, but it is fascinating uh, how it'll play out those first, you know, six picks at the very least, where the Jets are at six, uh, with the Giants, Jets looking potentially for franchise quarterbacks. You have potentially an all-time running back in this draft in Saquon Barkley, and then uh, a team like the Bills looking to jump up there. What do the Broncos do? Uh, do the Browns definitely take a quarterback, or you know, are they going to be comfortable with uh, Tyrod Taylor there uh, for the time being? You know, there is a, a ton, just a ton of moving pieces there, and a draft where you have three, maybe four, quality quarterbacks it doesn't happen very often and you know we know these teams in the nfl is just starving for any kind of help at that position if you don't have it and uh you don't have to be a jets fan to know that much 800-321-0710 again 800-321-0710 uh we'll get you all caught up on march madness as well dick hoops weiss gonna be with us at eight we'll tell you what's on tap this weekend as well as we roll till nine o'clock on a friday night in the sports zone on the voice of new york 710 wor it's the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on 710 WOR. Can't wish away those Patriots yet, even with some of the free agent defections. But, uh, yeah, the left tackle position, Albert Breer mentioned, that's a big hole. And you have a not so mobile quarterback, and you're not able to protect his blind side. Giants fans will tell you, eh, it's not a great mix. Uh, didn't work out so well last year for, for Big Blues. The Big Blue with the patch opening up uh, a hole for New England and the Patriots. They always find a way to fill them, it seems. And you know, I feel like we play this game every year, right? Try to find uh, the problem for New England, the hole that they have that will cost them a bit. And maybe they start 2-2 two and two, and then they start putting it together and it's just the well-oiled machine that is uh, Brady Belichick. It won't last forever, we know that much, but uh, I think I think we're done trying to predict exactly when it's going to come to an end there uh, with the, uh, the run that the Patriots have had in the AFC East. Uh, this weekend, of course, yeah, the NCAA tournament will be first and foremost, but that's not all that is going on. Let's uh, fire it up on this Friday night. The weekend is underway. Here's what's on tap. Weekend Spotlight. Oh, big weekend, big weekend. Obviously, March Madness. I, I like to put a number on these weekends sometimes. This is like a solid six. We're, we're finally getting back above the fives when you get past that, that big lull from the Super Bowl 
uh, on to here. Now, you know, March Madness will keep you busy. You got some Mets baseball here on WOR tomorrow afternoon against the Nationals at 1 o'clock. Yeah, weave that right in. Uh, see, we got some things going on now, which is, uh, which is good. Big weekend for me personally. I already did St. Patty's Day last weekend. Uh, did, uh, the parade in Bayshore. That was nice. Uh, this weekend going down to DC, it's fantasy baseball time. Gotta get my draft. Uh, you know, I've been in the league for, I don't know, like 10 years now, probably. And that's, that's big. So that means I gotta print out all the nonsense. Study it on the Amtrak tomorrow on the way down. The beverage and a popcorn, maybe. You know, something nice. And then uh, and then be ready to roll and, and get things done and try to steal a, a league title, which has always eluded me. I will, I will never win one of those things. But, you know, you give it your best effort. So uh, we're in the fantasy baseball season now. We're getting there, right? Yep, I did my draft last week. I, I have had one time where I made it to the uh, the finals, and I lost. Only once. Oh. But. Did you get Trout? Uh, no, I did not get no, Trout. your team no. stinks. No, exactly. I don't even have to look at it. That's it. Yep. I just know. Well, what's on tap for you? What are you excited about this weekend? Well, it, it, it's going to be dependent, but I'm still looking forward to Sunday and Tiger at Bay Hill. Seven back now after two days. Uh, I want to see a Sunday again with Tiger in contention, especially with the what Masters happened to him up. today? Because he he played well par yesterday. 70, par seventy two. Uh, you know he's good. Was he four under? I believe now eleven under is a leader. So you know he's got a, he's got a little 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 movement to make tomorrow. But you know if he can get three or four strokes up, get himself to within three, that's going to make my Sunday really really good to sit in front of the TV and watch him at Bay Hill, a place that he's you know, had a lot of success in the past. People are expecting too much. I and think they are. But he's like the favorite to win I the know, Masters the fa- now. That's a little bit. I think that's Come a little on. too much. I don't agree with that. It's a good story if he comes back and win. Right. It should be surprising, right. not expected. But let's you know, let, let's pump the brakes on that. But give me another Sunday where he's you know in contention and you know a chance to be in the money, and and, and that that'll make me happy. You know, I, everybody wants him back and dominant and everything. I want him just to to get to that point where he's got a chance to win. On Sunday in a tournament that he's in. And then, you know, go from there. Oh, he had that last week. Yeah, give me that again. Uh, give me that again this week. I'll be very happy with that. All right. Uh, I'm going to the Islanders game this weekend, uh, Mark Wiener. Picked the wrong Hi. time. Should have gone a lot earlier. Oh, you're the one. Yeah, I'll be the one. I'll be the one. What you you got? 300 people. Yeah. What's uh, What are you excited for this weekend, Mark? I'm sure it's not uh, Islanders hockey. It's not Islanders hockey. It's not any sports, actually. Uh, I get to not go away for an entire week and not see you and Ray for a whole week. So that's that's big stuff because for the next six months I basically see you guys every day. So uh, I'm going on a cruise to uh, the Bahamas uh, with my fiance, and I could not be more excited to not be here for a week. More donuts for me. I'll have everything I could eat for the next week and drink. Well, so. That's fine. Well, I'll get the Boston cream. I'll be much happier. Again, you're souring on me. You just, I told you that last night. Without the boots around, you don't look as good by comparison next to Ray. Ray went down, got the donuts, took care of things, and you're the one. Who's diving right in, grabbing the best donut in the box, and leaving me with the powdered dry donut? Well, I'm not going to bring you anything back from the cruise now. Uh, I'm sure you weren't anyway. I might have. <laughs> all right, all right. We got uh, Dick Hoops, Dick Hoops Weiss coming up here. Talk some college basketball. It's a Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York. Plus, your next chance to win $1,000 coming up at 9.05. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. 
Right, March Madness in full effect uh, these days. We've had some upsets uh, to start the tournament, get things fired up, and we bring on right now legendary college basketball writer Dix Hoops Weiss, and you can check out uh, his work, hoopsweiss.com. And, uh, Dick, it's great to have you on. How you been? It is my pleasure. How are you? Yeah, everything's great here. So, you know, first Good. off... It's probably better here than it is in Arizona. Better than Arizona? <laughs> Well, yes. Uh, well, the loss uh, yesterday. Well, I was going to ask you. You know, what do you think is better for the tournament? Because that could have been a fun game with Arizona, Kentucky, a lot of talent going head to head. What do you like? You know, having a team like Buffalo or Loyola, Chicago, or you know, today with Marshall, get an opportunity and and, and get another uh, you know NCAA look here. You know, I I I think it's hard enough for these mid majors to get into the tournament. Uh, anytime one of them wins a game in the first weekend, I think people are happy. I think when it gets close to the Final Four, they want the billboard teams. But right now, I think that any time a 13 wins, and two of them have won in the last two days, Marshall beat uh, Sandy, uh, beat uh, Wichita State today, and Buffalo beat uh, Arizona last night. I mean, it's healthy for the tournament. I nobody wants to see uh you know, one through four advance to the second weekend. I think we need a little bit of surprise to keep everybody's mind straight. Yeah, let's uh, mix it up a little bit, get those mid-majors going. I'm, I'm a mid-major I'm guy. All, it's so I'm hard for these teams time. to get in, like you said. I, I'm a big believer that, you know, in order to get in a large bid to this tournament, you should have to have at least a 500 record in the league that you play in. You can you can get an automatic uh, by through your conference tournament, but I think that conference play should mean more than that. You get a chance to pick the league you play in. You have the resources to play in the league that you pick. I think that you should have. You should. Do that just to give the regular season a little bit more meaning. Yeah, similar to you know, college football does that for the bowl games, right? You gotta have a five hundred yeah. record yeah. to get in. So there's you know a little bit of uh, precedence for that, and it, it makes sense sure. to me as we chat with uh, legendary college hoops writer Dick Weiss. Check out his work, hoopsweiss dot com. Uh, a win for Purdue today, but uh, but a costly one, huh? Oh, Isaac cause is the difference maybe between them getting to a final four. You know, you ha- they have got very good shooters in the Edwards kids, but they needed Haas's physical attributes in the in the in the low post. I mean, he was a very effective player uh, for them as during the course of the season. The legitimate seven one kid who understood his role. And now they 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 do have another seven footer, but he doesn't have nearly the experience. Yeah, and uh, you know you can win a game, but you start losing players. It's obviously a, a tough blow as we chat with well, Dick Weiss. You know, it's so hard with a kid DeAndre Hunter, the kid from the the freshman forward from uh, from Virginia. Virginia goes into the tournament as a top overall seed, but Hunter had a huge role in their success in the second part of the season, and now he's out with a bad wrist. Is he expected out for the whole tournament? Yes. Well, uh, any other significant injuries you think will, will play a role in this uh, in this tournament so far? Uh, those are the two yeah. biggest names so far. 
Yeah, and then Arizona, you know, suspension. What about Arizona last night? I don't want to take away from Buffalo. I know we were talking about the mid-majors before, but uh, how about, did you just think they didn't show up? I mean, to lose to a 13 well, is one I mean, thing, but know, to that, get blown I mean, out. All I know is they shot two, or, two for 18 from the three. Yeah. Buffalo shot nine for 18. Uh, I'm sorry, 15 for 30 from the three, and they shot 55%. I mean, they they had a good game plan going in. Uh, they have quickness. They have they're very physical. They just close down the lane to keep Aiden from overwhelming them inside and put pressure on the guards. And the Arizona kids just didn't respond. I mean, I mean that thing turned into a blowout in the second half. I yeah. mean, and it happened. It happened quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great win for that conference. Yeah, that conference before the RPI used to be a multi bid conference, and they have had five or six teams from that conference win first round games. So it's not like it can't happen. It's just that you don't expect it to happen when uh, this is this may well have been Arizona's most talented team if you look at Aiton and Rizik and 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 and, and, and Aikens are all going to play in the NBA mm-hmm. the, the kid Trier is probably going to play in the NBA but there I just think the distractions may have caught up to them once they fell behind yeah they played well in the Pac-12 tournament but certainly uh, they won, they, yeah they won the yeah but you know what Pac-12 <laughs> yeah is, is completely gone I mean it's unbelievable. It's the first time in history for a Power Five conference that one conference didn't have at least one team advance to the round of 32. Unbelievable. You give Buffalo a shot against Kentucky? Why not? I mean, if Kentucky goes through an entire game where they don't make a three, anything's possible. <laughs> Davidson was right there with them in the first round. Davidson has some shooters, but their best shooter didn't really shoot the ball all that well. I mean, and they were still there all the way to the end. I mean, Kentucky's a very young team. I think John has done a pretty good job getting them ready to play for the tournament. They won the SEC tournament, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but they are basically heavily reliant on freshmen. Yeah, I mean, they're going to live and die with Knox and Gilgis Alexander, like every other year uh, for Kentucky with uh, John Calipari. Yeah, like there. every other year, well played, Pete. Yeah, and so we uh, chat with Dick Weiss right now. Check out his work, hoopsweiss dot com. Uh, Seton Hall is going to get Kansas tomorrow. Uh, it's tough to go into Wichita and, and try to take out a, a number one seed. Uh, how do you like Seton Hall's chances after a, a nice win against you know, NC I, State? I like the fact that Desi Rodriguez is healthy again. I mean, look, they're going to need the numbers that they got out of Carrington and Rodriguez in the first round. I mean, they 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 get they get twenty six and twenty four, I think, out of both of them. And Delgado is going to have to make sure that they don't get beaten up inside. I mean, he's a legitimate rebounder. These kids have been around. They play that most of them are their key players are seniors. I think it's great that they won a first round game. Uh, you know, I think they'll be excited. I would have preferred the game be a little bit more of a neutral site situation, but Kansas is a, a number one seed, so they're going to get the chance to play closest to home. Wichita is the closest site, so they have that going for them. A lot will depend tomorrow on how Seton Hall deals with the kid, the, uh, the kid Graham. I mean, mm-hmm. he is a legitimate player of the year candidate. 
for Kansas. And their guards are, are hard to deal with. But you know what? Lee Seton Hall's been there before. They played against Villanova twice, and Villanova's guard play is probably as, about as good as you're going to see. And they held their own with, uh, with Villanova, certainly up at, in, in Newark. So let's see what happens. Yeah, and Seton Hall finally getting uh, you know that NCAA tournament win out of the way, monkey off the back. Uh, still give it a yeah. shot against Kansas tomorrow. How about you know uh, one of the games today, Marshall and Wichita State? It's a great finish. It's fun. You know, Dan D'Antoni is wearing the T-shirt with the blazer on the sideline, and uh, it's a fun upset when the thirteen wins it. That last minute. And this is always the joke about basketball, right? That it takes forever. It took 18 minutes and 26 seconds in real time to play the final oh, minute I, of that I, Marshall I, game. Unbelievable! I didn't, I didn't chart it, but that that is amazing. When you think about it. they, they've got to do something to improve. But maybe they need to start thinking about uh, moving the shot clock down to 24. I know. I mean, I'm I'm a big believer in kind of regulating the rules so that they're all the same. I mean, I would prefer college basketball to play like FIBA. I'd, I'd like to see a wider lane. I'd like to see uh, uh, a 24-second rule. I'd like to see uh, uh, maybe uh, – I, I, I would like to see maybe even offensive goaltending allowed. I mean, I'd like to see some changes – that would that would make the game move a little faster, and maybe you know the the problem you have is when you get to the tournament, the timeouts are all three three minutes, mm-hmm. so that that just creates a situation where it just seems like it's endless. Yeah, it's not as much rhythm, uh, especially you know late in that game. As, as exciting as it was, it, it dragged on uh, quite a bit. And, and finally, did you hear you know Kyle Keller of Stephen F. Austin? He was. Blaming millennials, millennial culture uh, for for the loss. How does a coach blame a whole generation when it, those are the guys he has to coach? You know, I, I I'm not sure if I would not want to promote this, the 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 sport that I'm trying to recruit for. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I would I would not make that as much of an issue, and. Uh, uh, you know, if they don't want to watch, great. There's enough people out there that will watch and enough people filling the seats. Uh, I mean, the seats were – I'm in Pittsburgh right now. The seats were full at 1230. Yeah, I mean, the, the interest in the NCAA tournament, obviously, uh, still very much there. And uh, Dick Dick Hoopsweiss, uh, we appreciate you coming on tonight. Okay, uh, again, hoopsweiss.com. And thanks so much again, uh, Dick, for for joining us. So uh, it's certainly our pleasure. Dick Hoopsweiss, uh, legendary college basketball writer, sharing some of his insights on uh, this NCAA tournament. Got a couple of games starting to come down to the wire now, so we'll keep you updated on them. We'll have our moment of the week for you as uh, we get ready to head into the weekend. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. There don't appear to be any buzzer beaters uh, coming up in the next few minutes here as Kansas State has a double-digit lead on Creighton, about 90 seconds left there. And then Michigan State owns a 12-point advantage on Bucknell. Uh, they still have nine minutes left in the second half. So uh, those two teams, yeah, double-digit leads, seem to be relatively safe uh, at this point. And you know, for Kansas State, they'll get... 
more than likely Virginia uh, in that second round of the tournament. As we heard from um, you know Dick Weiss, uh, you know missing a key player. Uh, so we'll see if Kansas State, you know, again it's a number one team, always. Uh, very strong defensively in Virginia uh, and what they can can do there but you know I'm I'm excited again that Buffalo Kentucky game uh that'll be you know coming up uh tomorrow now be a, a real fun game to check out you know Marshall the the energy that Dan Dan Tony brings to the table and you know he's challenging his brother's team and of course you know his brother the head coach of the Houston Rockets the former um, you know, Nick's head coach, and yeah, that's great, man. You're Marshall. You win a game in the NCAA tournament. Bring on James Harden and the Rockets. Why not? Go all in with the T-shirt and the blazer on the sidelines. I got, I got a favorite team now. I'm all in on Marshall. Thunder and Herd, baby. They get West Virginia uh, in a uh, in a couple of days. Uh, it's Friday night. We usually hit our moment of the week right about now. Mark Weiner takes care of that department. What we got tonight, Mark? Well, uh, our special Wednesdays with Sal Licata show was fun as usual, and uh, a caller came, called in and asked about uh, umpires becoming robots and doing commu- computerized umpiring, and then we found out that our own Sal Licata is, is afraid of robots. I welcome our robot uh, overlords. I am all about utilizing technology where it can. Are I'm you insane? Non-traditionalist in Why that don't, way. I, no, I have an idea, and I thought about this, too. Two things, because Aaron Judge is not going to participate in the Home Run Derby, right? I think we should have robots participate in the Home Run Derby, and they could you know, hit off of pitching machines, so this way you don't have to waste anybody's arm, even if it's somebody's father out there. You just you know hire a robot to do it. And, and to make the game safer and more exciting and to get younger fans involved, Instead of the Home Run Derby, or in addition to the Home Run Derby, you can have a walking contest. Hmm. So you have a player go up there with a uh, computerized bat in hand, one button that says, I would swing, one button that says, take, and then you could have the computerized strike zone call those pitches from the pitching machine to the batter who is not a robot but does have the bat that can act as that. And then, look, I mean, you could have GM salivating everywhere with uh, guys drawing walks. I think it would do measures for the game I'm in. moving forward. Let's I mean, go. Th- these are, this is what we should do. Let's get that technology together. I'm, I'm watching. It's doing monster ratings. Did you watch like Terminator too much as a kid? Like, no. is something about the future of robots to scare actually, you? No, or? It doesn't scare me. It's just stupid. I mean, You're wh- very worried about robots. I just want to make sure it's not a whole thing mark going this, on here. Mark this down. And by the way, it's, uh, I'm not first in line to this. And I've been saying it for years. Technology is destroying society and everything in its way, as we know it. Wow. Uh, getting, getting deep with Salicata on Wednesday. We're going to have to revisit that this upcoming week. But I, I think that was the moment that Sal officially started to lose it. He's very worried about these robots. He's constantly talking about robots taking over the world. What's up, Bray? It's ruining the NCAA tournament. Technology. He got it. He, he was he was ahead of the curve already the other day. What the replay reviews? Yeah, you know, that's technology. It's not robots. It's technology. Very worried about robots. Technology. Are you blaming the millennials next? I guess I shouldn't get him a Roomba for Christmas. No, no. Keep him away from the Roombas. Keep him away from any other robotic thing. The Is made from the Jetsons. Robotic pool cleaners too. Yeah, no, no, you don't want anything to do with that. We're gonna have to dive into that. The, the, they call it the downfall of society, or you know where we're at here with technology. Uh, New Uber car that's coming out is gonna drive itself. Yeah, he's all scared about base percentage. You know, we gotta we gotta get Sal with it. Future's not that bad, man. It's not that bad. It's coming. You gotta embrace it. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Big thanks tonight, Matt Ehalt, Albert Breer, and Dix Hoops Weiss for uh, joining us on the show. If you missed any of the show, check it out, 710WOR.com. Uh, you can check out the podcast on the iHeartRadio app uh, and uh, just search for the Sports Zone show. You can subscribe right there and uh, make sure you never miss anything. Big interviews, just the, the show itself, uh, all of it for you on demand. And, of course, uh, you can listen live on the app as well, no matter where you are uh, in the entire world, as long as you have uh, a little bit of Wi-Fi and Internet connection. Uh, but this upcoming week, we'll be back with you Monday at 6.05. We'll have March Madness to discuss. We will have... Mets Madness to discuss, I'm sure. Maybe they could win a game this weekend. That'll be exciting. Uh, again, we will have Mets baseball on the station tomorrow, 1 o'clock. They take on the Nationals down there in Florida as we inch closer to opening day. Now, less than two weeks, Monday, Mar- or Thursday, I should say, March 29th, the day to count down to uh, when they'll be facing the St. Louis Cardinals. But that'll do it for the show tonight. Big thanks, Ray Martell, Mark Wiener, even though they leave me with no donuts. I'm Pete McCarthy, and Enjoy your night. Dave Ramsey's up next.